Good morning, good morning, good morning, everyone. Aren't you glad we're having church indoors today? Yes, yes. I got a question. How many are here today and they weigh just a little more than they did last Sunday when you were here? Yeah. All the honest ones are raising their hands. So, well, I'm Pastor Roger, and I'm one of the pastors on staff. And as Drew mentioned earlier, we have pastors preaching down in the gym and in North Platte. They're, they're just everywhere. Now, Pastor Dean is down in the gym. Uh, I guess there's still time to switch and, you know, this type of thing. I, I don't know. But uh, I, I hope you decide to stay. Uh, I believe that God has some neat things for us today. Are you excited just to say, wow, this is God's house. This is God's time. We've enjoyed a, a Thanksgiving uh, time, and I think it's always good to just be thankful for God, for what he's given us. I found in my life that so many times I'm always thinking about the things I don't have instead of the things that I do have. And I think that's really at this time of year God says, hey, stop a minute. Be thankful for what you have, not what you don't have. Is that, does that sound like a deal? Can we all do that? Well, today I want to talk. Oh, wait, I had one more thing I wanted to make. How, how many made sure that Black Friday, that they participated? Ah, uh, yeah, there's a few. See, see, the hands aren't near as cheery when it's that way. They, they participated, but now they're sad because their hip pocket's a little less. I know how that is. Well, I want to talk about storms, not the storm of a Black Friday, but storms that come into our lives. How many, how many, I, I, the other day I was on, looking on Facebook, and, and I'm not going to mention who they are because they probably, they, well, I'm not going to just mention who they are, but they put that, with this strong wind, all we need is some good snow to go with it to just really have a lot of fun. And I'm thinking, here's a person who doesn't have to scoop. <laughs> That's my, we all like good storms. How many like a good storm? Yeah, a lot of times we like good storms. But here's the deal. Most of us like good storms when? When we're in the house, it's sitting in front of a fire. I, I don't think any of us would like to have a, a, a storm like they had in Buffalo, right? Do we have some pictures there? Wow. Now, that is a storm. I don't know about you, but that's not my idea of a storm. Now, when I was a child, when I was a, growing up and I was in school, guess what? I love those kind of storms. Why? No school, no school right? Now I'm not so fond of them because I have to get out and scoop and that's just not fun. How many have ever been caught in a storm? Yeah, not necessarily a snowstorm. There's a lot of different storms besides snowstorms, aren't there? There's, uh, this summer we had some hailstorms. Anybody like to get out there and get knocked around in a hailstorm or in a tornado? I can remember dodging tornadoes at times in my life when I was a salesman on the road trying to figure out where one is, and I find out it's on top of me, those type of things. There's just a variety of storms. And storms are great, but it's another thing to be caught in them. I remember also one time when uh, Johnny and I were, my wife, we were going up to South Dakota for Easter to her family. And uh, it was a Easter, which was an early April, and we ran into a storm. And we were on our way, and we, 
things were just smooth sailing. We got to Burwell, and it was turning dark, and, and we just kind of were cruising along, and all of a sudden I noticed the car doing this, and I knew, and then all of a sudden the snow started coming, and it just started coming in a hurry, and it went from a calm time to where it was chaos. We couldn't see anything, and I could tell you that it was not fun. I had to roll down my window just so I could see where this side of the road was. And I had, had Johnny roll down this, her side and she could see where that side was. And I just tried to keep it between the ditches, literally between the ditches. And what's a 60-mile trip? If you know anything between Burwell and Atkinson, it's 60 miles of how much? Nothing. Nothing. And uh, there's times when I used to drive that, I'd never even see a bird flying, I think, sometimes. But it was bad. And what took us, normally a little under an hour, right around an hour, took almost three hours to get there. And we got to Atkinson, and guess what? There wasn't any place to stay. The motel was full. So then we had to drive another 20 miles to to O'Neill. So being caught in a storm is just not a lot of fun, is it? So, well, today... I want to talk about how we can survive another kind of storm. And that's called the storms of life. Anybody here been in a storm of life? Not a weather-related storm, a storm of life. You know what I'm talking about? I believe this. Everybody here is either in one of those storms, just got out of one of those storms, or you're preparing for a storm. Is that probably a, a fair analysis there? I think that's true. Maybe you had no intention of being where you're at today. Maybe, maybe on your job, you got a storm going on. Or in your marriage, or in your finances. Storms can hit us in a variety of places, can't they? I, I know one that just really seems to hit that's hard. How about a storm of your health? And your health has just gone south, and you're battling for one reason or another. Or even in your relationship with God. Your life has gone from calm, sort of like ours was on that trip, and it's turned into chaos. Am I the only one that's ever experienced that? You can start a day like this and have the day finish over here. Just a total different thing. And sometimes we wonder, how can I turn this chaos back into calm and then survive the storm that I find myself in? And not only survive, I think most of us want to do more than survive. How many would rather just, when you get to, you just don't want to survive, you want to thrive afterwards. Is that right? That's really where we're at. Well, in 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul shares some feelings he had because he got himself in a storm or two in his life. And this tells a little bit of his feelings about it. It says here, we were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure And we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. Anybody been in that kind of a storm? At least somewhere in there. But then he goes on, and this is crucial here, this but here. It says, but as a result, what did they do? They stopped relying on who? I can't hear you. Ourselves. That's good. That's good. Come on, Ed. You're supposed to pick that up for us. ourselves and learned to rely only on who god who raises the dead that means he's all powerful if if he can raise the dead he can handle your storm is that right and and there's a change i find that sometimes we tend to rely on ourselves way too often and that's just sort of what happens here it seems that we learn the most i believe though 
about God when we go through some of the tough times in our lives. At least I know that's been true in my life. Paul survived because he had learned to rely on God and not himself. Not just in going through storms, but just going through the everyday things of life. And, and uh, today I want you to know that in your storm, you can do the same thing as Paul did here. You can survive it. What I want to talk to another storm that we're going to talk to about is found in Mark chapter 6. Jesus' disciples were in a storm. How many remember the time, the story of Jesus walking on the water? Is that a familiar story to most of you? Jesus walked on the water. The disciples were in a storm. Well, let me just set that stage a little bit. Before that, Jesus had just fed the 5,000, a miracle, with just a couple of sandwiches, and you know, really is what it was, a few fish and a, few, a couple of loaves of bread, and he fed 5,000. That was a miracle. Sent the disciples out on the boat to go to the other side where they were going to be the next day. He went back and took care of the rest of the people, and then he went up on the mountain to pray. Well, while he was out there praying, guess what happened? A storm came up, and the disciples were caught in it. And that's what we want to talk about today. Let's, I think there's a lot that can be learned with this storm and with, with what happened and how Jesus played into it here. There's some essentials that I believe that we can learn that will help turn our chaos into a calm. And the first essential is hope. Hope is huge, isn't it? Hope is just like the, the air that we breathe. We all need hope. Just like you need, when you wake up, you have to have what? Air to breathe. We need, every day, we need hope to keep us going. In fact, his pastor and author, uh, Chuck Swindoll, says this. Actually, it came out of one of his books that I read on hope several years ago, and it says this. When life hurts, nothing helps like hope. Hope isn't merely a nice option. It is essential to our survival. Wow. And you may be asking, how can I have hope in my darkest day? How can I do that? Because sometimes our days get pretty dark. Well, let's take a look and see what happened with the disciples now. We found out where they're at. They're out there on the lake, and, and, and it says, he... Jesus saw his followers struggling hard to row the boat because the wind was blowing against them between 3 and 6 o'clock in the morning. Now, let me tell you, they were out on the Sea of Galilee. I've been on that sea. I, I, when, when we went over to Israel, we, we were able to ride across on there, and, and I remember asking the guide, I said, what about the storms that, that are talked about in the Bible? Do those really happen out here? And he says, absolutely. He says, they are as bad as any storm you can imagine. Because we were out there and it just like, like There's, this isn't anything. Nothing can really happen here. But sure enough, he says, they can have and you can have calm just like this. And within like that, these, the waves are just more than you can handle. He said, those disciples have fought many a storm as fishermen. Many people have had a lot of trouble crossing that lake. So this is where we find our disciples here. And then it says, Jesus came to them walking on the water, and he wanted to walk past the boat. What was that? He wanted to walk past. I want to go. That's an interesting statement, isn't it? I'll get to that in a second here. So what does this all mean? I think we need to notice that what? 
First of all, the disciples were what? They were roaring like crazy out there, weren't they? They were, they were really trying to just stay, stay afloat. And I think that's a natural response, isn't it? When, when you're in a storm, you're trying to save yourself. That's really the, the normal thing that we do. And uh, that's what they were trying to do. They were rowing. Now, you've got to remember, they had been out there rowing for quite a while. This storm had come up. Jesus had sent them out earlier in the evening. Actually, it was still daylight. And now it was in the middle of the night, and they were still rowing. And they were really fighting to, to, to survive. But what happens here, we see that when, when we're rowing and we're working so hard in the middle of our storm, all of a sudden, Jesus comes walking into our storm, just like Jesus came walking into their storm. But guess what happens? Is he almost missing? Have any have any of you ran into that where you you've been going along and all of a sudden you didn't even realize that Jesus was in this was in the middle of the storm with you? Well, that's really what happened here. The disciples saw him walking on the water. Now, we got to remember here that this is not. Uh, this is a little different type of setting here. They're not used to this happening. But why did he walk by, do you think? Why did he want to walk by? I believe it was because he wanted, he was just waiting for their cry. He just was waiting for them to say, hey, we're, we need you. Instead of trying to roll and save themselves, that they would turn to him. See, if we're going to survive, we can't keep focused on the storm that we're in. We've got we to gotta change our focus. And as long as our focus is on our problem, if our focus is on our problem, we won't solve anything. We must always focus on our hope. And that's really what Jesus wanted the disciples to do, was to focus on their hope. And who was their hope? Who was the one that just fed the 5,000 and performed a miracle? Who had they been following? Who had they been serving? Jesus. Jesus was their hope. And sure enough, what happens in the midst of the storm, here he comes walking on the water when everything was seeming hopeless. They'd been out there rowing for six, eight hours, and it seemed hopeless. And Jesus comes in and he says, I'm your hope. Now that seems so simple, doesn't it? Wow, Jesus is my hope, yeah. But it's so profound because he really is the hope that we all need. The same Jesus can be your hope in your storm. If that's you and you're here saying, wow, I'm, I've got a storm I'm going through. Or I've just been going through a whole deluge of things. And the, it's not a huge storm like the Buffalo people, but it just seems like it just every day and every day and every day and every day. One of those types of things. We, we, we struggle somehow with that. But Jesus says, hey, I want to be hope in your storm. Notice that he didn't tell his, his disciples to come to him. He didn't stand on the sidelines. He didn't stand on the shore and say, hey, guys, over here, over here. He didn't do that, did he? What did he do? He knew that they couldn't get to him, so what did he do? He went to them. How many times when you're in the middle of your storm do you just, you know that Jesus is your answer, but you don't know how to get to him? You know that that's true. You know, I need to. I need Jesus, but I don't know how to get to him. Guess what? He knows that too, and he's already out walking on the water towards you. See, this is our hope. This is our hope. When you're at the point of desperation in your storm, Jesus is going to come to you. 
You're never alone when you know and trust in Jesus. That's always the case. He is your hope. Often we feel like Jesus has deserted us. Have you ever felt like that in the middle of a storm? Things are just going bad and you're just feeling like, it seems like sometimes you're just praying, 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 and it just seems like there's nobody there. There's nobody there. Well, he hasn't deserted us because when we're going through these stressful times, it just seems hard. And I think the disciples maybe even felt like that. They'd been rowing so long and Jesus was on the shore. And this isn't the first storm that they were in. If you go back a few chapters in Mark, it tells about the storm where Jesus was in the boat and the bottom of the boat sleeping and they were out there and then he came up and calmed the storm. Well, now they're in this boat all alone. And here, what are we going to do? Their hope was still the same hope, but he wasn't there and Jesus comes. And my th- thought is this. He always, always has our best interest at heart. Ultimately, he's there for one reason. He wants us all. Regardless of the reason for your storm, sometimes it's our fault, sometimes it's somebody else's fault. It doesn't matter. Sometimes it just happens. You know how, how, what I'm saying? We don't know why the storm is there. So it doesn't matter what the reason is, but God has a purpose in the middle of every storm that we can surrender, just like he had Paul surrender from ourself to rely on him. God wants us to surrender control of our lives to him. And here's why. He loves you just as you are. Doesn't say you have to change. But he loves you too much to leave you where you're at. And he always, he always has your best interest at heart. So don't give up. Don't give up. Fact is, sometimes when we do feel like giving up, there's a, in the Old Testament, there was a, a prophet named Jeremiah who was, who was sort of the weeping prophet because he went through so many hard times, so many storms in his life that he'd given up hope. And one of the things that he, he did, he, said, he wrote a book all about some of these things, that, some of these struggles, and, that, and it was called Lamentations. And here's what he said. After he'd given up hope, he says, but yet hope returns. This is key. Hope returns when? When I remember this one thing. What's the one thing that he remembered? The Lord's what? What's that? Unfailing love and mercy still continue, fresh as the morning, as sure as the sunrise. The Lord is all I have, so in him I put my hope. So we can't find hope in other things. Sometimes we use substitutes, but that's not to be our hope. He wants to be our hope. He is our hope. He is our hope. A few years ago, researchers were trying to figure out how hope works in, in lives and different things. And so they got, got two sets of rats. They had a group of rats over here and a group of rats over here. And they got two big buckets of water and they filled, or, or buckets and filled them with water. And they put one set in one bucket and one set in the other, or tub really. And then they said, all right, guys, swim. Well... They started swimming and trying to survive in, the, in here, and they washed them. And, and the, the, first, the first tub, what they just washed, and they swam, they swam, and they didn't do anything to them. They just watched. How long do you think they last before they drowned? One hour. They were able to swim for one hour. And all you rat enthusiasts says they deserved what they got, right? All right. The other one, though, the other tub... 
periodically they would reach down and they would pull up these wet rats, give them just a little bit of hope, and then put them back in. I was just thinking, I know my wife, Johnny, would just love to have been one of those people picking up those rats. Anybody else, any of the rest of the women in here like to, you're probably not into that rat picking up stuff. I don't know. I'm not, but they would pick them up and just, just for enough time, put them back in. How long do you think those rats lasted? How long? 12 hours. Do I hear, do I hear 13? <laughs> they lasted 24 hours. Is that amazing? And, and the whole thing was the, the researcher said it wasn't because they got just a little rest because they didn't give them that much time to rest. It was because that they believed that they had hope that someone was good, that was bigger than them was going to reach down and rescue them. And they kept having that hope. And so they would swim with that hope in mind. Now, if that is true for a rat, a rodent, what do you think that is true for us when how much we need hope? When we're in the middle of our storms and we're swimming like crazy or we're rowing like them or whatever the case may be, we need that hope just like those rats need that hope. And that's going to be able to see us through. It keeps us going in those difficult, difficult times. So my question to each one of you is, what are you facing today? Who do you trust do you trust your doctor? You go into your doctor and he gives you this diagnosis or that? Do you trust your job? I need my job, this or that, whatever. Do you trust your counselor? Now, none of those are wrong. We all need doctors. We all need, need jobs. We need people who can counsel us, give us good counsel. These are all good helps, but they are never, never intended to be our hope. Or maybe you're wondering, can I even survive this battle that I'm in, this storm that I'm in? You need to stop rowing. And you need to start looking around and saying, wow, where's Jesus? Start expecting Jesus to come into that storm. Because when we can start doing that, all of a sudden, you're going to find that your hope is going to come into your storm. And you're going to find some calm in the middle of your chaos. Because see, only he will be able to turn your chaos into calm. None of these other people will. People, places, and things are only substitutes, and they're going to let you down. Jesus will never let you down. He is our hope. He is our hope. You might feel abandoned like we were talking. I bet those, those rats felt a little bit abandoned, especially that one rats over here. They felt a little bit abandoned, didn't they? But the Bible says in John 14, it says, I will not abandon you. This is Jesus speaking. I will not abandon you or leave you as orphans. Where? In the storm. I will come to you. Jesus, that's his promise. When you're in the storm of life, he promises, I'm going to be there right there with you. You can make it. You could survive. This is how we survive the storms of life, folks. We have that hope. You can count on him coming. Hope may not take the storm away. Do you notice when Jesus came, what happened? The storm didn't quit, did it? The storm didn't quit until he got into the boat. He was out there. So what happened, though, I believe the calm came to their heart. 
because Jesus was there. I don't know about you, but I found some storms where all of a sudden when I sensed the presence of God inside, that there's a peace that can come even though the circumstances don't change. You know what I'm talking about? I, I think that's probably true for all of us. Well, there's another essential that I think you need in your storm that I think we can find from this story, and that essential is courage. Courage is crucial. It's a crucial attitude to have. So what is courage? Well, I dug deep and hard and found the famous philosopher John Wayne, and uh, will you laugh. So some in here don't have a clue who John Wayne is. Ed, do you know who John, oh, well, so you have to be, I, I just know that that's the, probably, probably our band wouldn't know who John Wayne, you know, maybe even is. But John Wayne is a famous movie star from days gone by. He was sort of my hero when I was growing up. I always went to John Wayne movies and, and that, and he was the strong, macho type guy. This is what John Wayne has to say about courage. He says, courage is being afraid but getting up on your horse and riding into danger anyway. He always rode with a six-gun, of course, but he, he rode into danger anyway. Let's, let's see what, what we find with our di- disciples out in the storm here. It says, but when they saw him walking on the water, they thought he was a ghost, and they cried out. They all saw him and were afraid. We've got to remember, this was their first rodeo. They had never seen anybody walk on water before. This wasn't something that they were just used to. Oh, wow. They'd watched Jesus do a lot of miracles, but they never, this is, this is even taking it to another step. They hadn't been able to see anything like this. And you got to remember, they'd been rowing. They were frazzled. They were tired. You know how tired you can get just on a normal work day, but when you're going through some extra stress, you know what stress can do to you and how it just tires you out? These guys were tired. They'd been, they'd been rowing all night. And then they see someone supernaturally, someone or something, they didn't know what it was, out there. And it was in the storm and the waves were laughing. Is that somebody out there walking? That's impossible. Well, what are we just saying? Nothing is impossible, is it, when you have Jesus? Jesus is on the shore. No, he isn't. He's walking right there. He's walking right there, and they cry out to him. They were terrified. I think we all would be terrified, but then what happens here? It says, but quickly, Jesus, you notice this word, quickly. Jesus spoke to them and said, have courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Have courage. Don't be afraid. He didn't make them sit out there and wait. Once they saw him and they cried out to him, he didn't say, hmm. He spoke into their heart immediately, and they knew it was him. And they, he says, hey, you don't have to be afraid anymore. It's okay. I can relate. I can't imagine what some of their feelings would have been, but he's there. But you know what? Why, why could they be courageous? What made this situation where they could have courage? The storm didn't stop. So how could Jesus say they could have courage? I think it's simply this. It's because he was there. Where Jesus is, there's courage. He, just like Jesus is our hope, he is also our courage, isn't he? He's telling us we don't have to be afraid. Where does our courage come from? 
It comes from God, doesn't it? It comes from his presence. Whenever we're in God's presence, we can feel the courage. And we have the courage to do things that we've never done before. Courage is what keeps us from giving up. Courage is what keeps our hope alive. Courage, again, causes us to do what we're afraid to do. This is the same story, folks. And I, I, I'm, Matthew shares it and Mark does it. But this is the same story where Peter gets out of the boat and walks on the water towards Jesus. What did, now that takes courage in the middle of the storm to get out of the boat. And why did he get out of the boat? He wanted to be closer to Jesus. Jesus was on the water. He wanted to be where Jesus was. Now, we could say a lot of things about Peter, but he took that when he said, don't be afraid, have courage. He took that literally, and he jumped out of the boat. He says, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. We need the same kind of courage in our storms, I believe. Would you agree? We need some courage that's going to bring some calm into the midst of our chaos. The courage that Jesus is talking about is that courage that calms our storms and restores our hope. In Mark 8, 51, as we finish here, it says, Then he got into the boat with them, and the wind became calm. The followers were greatly amazed. Jesus wants to get into your boat. He wants to get into the boat of your life and bring that calm. All we have to do is invite him in. Just invite him in. If you've never invited Jesus into the boat of your life, today is the day that you need to do that. He can calm your storm. If you've never done it, you can do it. If you've done it years ago and you're fighting a storm, invite Jesus to come in to your boat. You see, Jesus is bigger than any storm that you'll ever face. When your plate seems to just be overflowing, you know what I'm talking about. What does Jesus do? He gives you a bigger plate. I remember the fear I felt one night. This is many years ago when I was on the phone. I was a sales manager, district manager, and it was right here in Kearney. And uh, that, that was before, before we had cell phones and we had the long cord and I was sitting at my table. And all of a sudden I was talking to one of my sales managers in another town and everything seemed really important to me at that time. And all of a sudden the phone went dead and I looked up and there's someone had clicked it. It was a, an ex-salesman that uh, I'd had to fire a couple weeks before because he was doing some things that were dishonest. And he came in and he was mostly drunk and his first words were I'm going to kill you now I don't know about you but uh, I was terrified I mean the guy was big he was a lot bigger than me I mean it was just whoa and all those things that seemed so important before my perspective changed in a hurry and it was, what do I do? And how do I handle this? And Johnny was in the other room, and I didn't know who, who else was there. And I did. It was a scary, scary moment. It was a storm, folks, that hit. It just, just changed my world at that moment. But I can remember, just as if it was today, maybe yesterday, maybe not today, yesterday. But I remember the calm that, 
in just a few moments came because I knew that this wasn't something that I could handle myself. And Jesus gave me a calm. He gave me a courage. And I had courage to face this and work through this. And Jesus came into my storm and he worked it out. And the guy ended up leaving, th made all sorts of threats. Our night was not real good, but I've never seen him again. But God came in and brought a calm and a courage that I couldn't believe. And my question to you, are you letting your fears control you? Because that's something that I sure wanted to do at that moment. I wanted to let those fears control me, but we can't. Sometimes they can paralyze you. Have you ever been in a storm and been so afraid you've just been paralyzed and you don't know what to do? You don't know what to do next. I need to do this and I need to do this, but I don't know what to do. You need help. Well, Jesus is that help. You see, God is love. And what does the Bible say? It says his love is going to cast away our fear. It's going to take away your fears. We can bank on God's love taking away our fears. But without spending time with God to get, really get to know him, and not just to be your problem solver, but to really get to know him, we're only kidding ourselves. So many times I found that in a, in a time, sometimes I pray to God, and it's really not to get to know him, it's just to get my problems fixed. And as soon as my problem is fixed, my prayer time changes. It's not as intense. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes we're just living on wishful thinking that leads back to more fear, more hopelessness. And my thought, I, I just read this this morning in, in a devotional that said, instead of worrying, use your time for praying. And I thought, wow, that is good stuff. Because worry can control us. A good friend or a counselor, if you have some good friends or some counselors that are good at help you with in the middle of your storm that you're going through or whatever. If they're really a good friend, if they're really a good counselor, they're going to point you towards the answer. And that answer is your only hope. That answer is the one who gives you courage. That answer is the one who wants to come to you in your storm. And they need to point you to Jesus. That is really the key. Because see, God is always our refuge in life storms. The ultimate protection against sinking in life storms is really this. It's devoting the time to develop your friendship with God. How much time do we spend developing that relationship, that friendship? Because that friendship is how you're going to have the courage you need to face your darkest day. And again, I say to you, Jesus is bigger than your storm. That is your hope. That is your courage. Let me conclude with one last essential that I think will bring calm to our storm. We've just experienced Thanksgiving, right? Well, I believe that that last one is called thankfulness. That is huge. Jesus knew his disciples and all of his followers from, from when he left this earth until eternity. He knew that you guys were going to be going through some storms in your life, some struggles, some stressful times, some hard times. He knew that. He also knew that his disciples, when he went back to heaven, they were going to go through some very, very difficult times. And so he set up something that many of us maybe know about and maybe you don't, but he, he, had, he had what was called the Last Supper. 
How many know what the Last Supper? You read about the Last Supper, some of you? The Last Supper, he got all his disciples together and he says, we're going we're gonna to have one last meal together and we're going to eat and we're going to talk and we're going to have some relationships going on. And during that Last Supper, he did something very special though. He took the bread and he broke it. He says, hey, this is, this is my body. Then he took the cup and he had everybody drink. He says, this is, this is my blood. What do we call that today? We still do it. It's communion, isn't it? And that's, we're, we're going to partake. Most of you, did you get these when you came in the door? Hopefully you did. We're going to be partaking in communion in just a few moments here. But let me explain a little bit about what, what that communion is and how that relates to us today. You see, communion, I believe, just like then, it's going to do the same thing. It's going to touch us and help us today. It's going to help us focus where it needs to be. We need to keep our focus on Jesus, who is our hope. That's really the focus of, of communion, is to get our focus back where it needs to be. That's why he wants us to do it. This is why we, we have communion in, in our church and in the churches around our, our city. This is what, why it's one of the things that God asks us to do. It also helps us to remember to be thankful for the very sacrifice that Jesus paid, for the body that he, that he allowed to be broken and beaten and whipped, for the blood that was shed, for the cross that he endured. That he wants us, he says, when you do this, just remember, be thankful. Remember, be thankful. See, it's going to help us remember how much he really does love us. God loves you. He loves me. And we need the certainty of God's loving presence in order to weather the storms of life. Thankfulness opens our heart to God's presence in our life, filling us with hope and courage, the hope and courage that we need to bring calm to the chaos of our storms. We're taught in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that we are to examine ourselves before we take communion, before we partake with, with, of, of the bread and the, and the cup. We're to do this so that we can partake with a pure heart, a forgiven heart. And communion is open for all who have made, stepped over that line into faith and have made Jesus the Lord of their life. They've accepted him as their savior. They've made him the leader of their life. It's for, that's who it's for. So that we can remember. But he says, again, like I mentioned, he said that we're to, to examine ourselves. So what I'd like us to do is just take a moment to examine ourselves, to draw near to God, to allow, if you've got some unresolved sin, maybe something you're not sure of, but just ask God to forgive you. Or maybe there's an unresolved conflict with, with someone in your family or a friend or someone at work. And you just it's God, I need forgiveness. I need, help me with that. Let's just come and, and purify him. I'm just going to give us all a moment. We're going to go to God and we're just going to allow his presence to speak. And let's all draw near to God. Ask him to forgive you. And let's get ourselves prepared to partake of the communion that he asked us to take. Can we pray?
Thank you, God, for hearing our prayers. We truly do want to come to you with pure hearts, clean hands. Forgive us our sin. Draw us near to you right now. May your presence just fill this room and fill each one of our hearts. Amen. How many are sensing God's presence? I, I can sense it. It's amazing when we go to him, his presence just comes. How many feel calm? You feel the calm? doesn't matter what's going on, the way you came in. There's a calm that comes when we're in his presence. It just works that way. What I'd like us to do is take the, the cup and the bread that we have, all kind of prepackaged here together. Let me explain a little bit what you need to do. First of all, on this little end here, just flip it. And tear it part way, and you'll find the bread underneath there. Don't take it all the way. And then when we're, we'll, we'll take the bread out. Okay. Got the bread. Let's hold the bread up. See, Jesus took the bread that night, the night before he was betrayed. He looked at his disciples. He said, this is a symbol. This is a symbol. See, this bread represents God's broken body. The body that was sacrificed on the cross for you and for me. And then it says, Jesus gave thanks. He gave thanks to God for it. He broke it. What he, what he had is he had a loaf of bread and and. And he had his disciples there, and he took that loaf, and he broke it off, and he gave it to each one of his disciples. He said, this is one piece, but now we're all one together. This is my broken body that I'm, I'm giving to each one of you. And this is what this represents. And then he said, take this and eat it. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. Before we do, let's, let's give the thanks that he asked, that he did. And from our hearts, let's just say thank you to God for what sacrifice that he obtained for us, what he gave for us, and the freedom that he obtained for us. God, I just say thank you. I thank you from the bottom of my heart for the work of Calvary, for the work of the cross, for you allowing your body to be broken and beaten for me. God, we just come to you with open arms and arms that say we love you. Thank you, Lord. Now, let's eat together. Allow God to speak to your heart during this time. Come to him with a thankful heart.
remembering the price that was paid, the love that was given. And then Jesus took the cup. We can take the cup and pull the, the rest of the little tab. We have the cup. This cup is a symbol of the blood of Jesus, the blood that was shed for our forgiveness, forgiveness of our sins. And Jesus said that night, he says, this cup is the new agreement between God and you that has been established. It's set in motion by my blood. Do this in remembrance of me whenever you drink it. Let's all drink together. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you give each one of us thankful hearts. Thankful hearts for the price that you paid of offering your body and your blood, your very life, so that we could have life. You went to the cross to pay the penalty as our substitute, because that's where we deserve to be. The Bible teaches us that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And we just thank you, Lord. And may we just keep in our hearts and in our minds what this communion time means. It's not just a ritual. It's a time where we can draw nearer to you and be thankful and remember your love. God, I pray for each one here. I pray if there is someone that's going through a, a storm, regardless whether it's a, a storm in their marriage, a storm on their job, a, a storm with their health, with relationships, with their finances, with their relationship with you. They're just, there's some things happening and they're just, Lord, there's so many different things that can happen. May you just draw them close to you and may you come into their storm. God, we just say thank you now. In Jesus' name.